Well, welcome, everyone. What a blessing. Wow, we got a lot of people on Skype tonight. Looks like uh, Cedric. That's right. Praise the Lord. Welcome, everyone. Good to have you guys. Hallelujah. Got a full house here tonight, too. What a blessing. Thank you all for coming. And uh, I know the Lord has a great word for you tonight. And I have a great expectancy from my God. Hallelujah. You know, he said that he dwells in the midst of praise. And that... Uh, and there were two or more gathered in his name that, there, that, he, that he is in the midst, praise the Lord. So we know the Lord is present tonight with us to meet every need that's here tonight. Hallelujah. we got some new guests tonight. Welcome. Good to have you tonight. I'm sorry, what was your first name again? Kevin. Kevin is with us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for Kevin. Everybody welcome Kevin in. Amen. That's welcome. good. Welcome. What a blessing. Hallelujah. And uh, we have a couple here. Uh, what, what are your names? Ben and Liz, another Ben, all right. We got, my son's name is Ben over there. Ben and Liz, welcome. Great to have both of you tonight. And uh, Kevin, Kevin Rio, who's old news, so we got him here tonight and all the brethren here. What a blessing. We got Tommy with us tonight. What a blessing to have you, Tommy. Thank you, Lord. Well, God is doing wonderful things. Praise the Lord, and we have a good expectancy. Anybody have something, a uh, prayer request on their heart? We always like to feed the body. You know, we're here to to minister to your needs, and uh, if there's something on your heart, um, if you have a, a sickness or you have uh, something on your heart that you're uh, confused about or like to know about, uh, I want you to speak up and, and let us know. Anybody have anything on their hearts tonight? I want to open it up for you. Yeah, Leyland's in bed sick. Oh, wow, Leyland's sick again. I see, Leyland, is that you? Yeah. Leyland, you're sick again? You've been you're going through a whole yeah. lot, brother. Yeah, I can't. I got some kind of a respiratory infection. I, I cough all night and then I sleep all day and wake up in a sweaty, you know. Wow, I'm so sorry. So, yeah, we want to lift him up. <laughs> Layla's the little white puppy up there, so uh, that's, uh, that's Layland with us. He's a blessing. Uh, we sure will. Um, anybody else have something that they need prayer for? You know, uh, I'm, I'm glad Layland said that because the Bible says that is there any sick among you let him call for the elders of the church, and that's in James chapter 5, and they would anoint him at all, and the prayer of, prayer of faith would heal them and rise them up. Also it says in Psalms 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, who forgives all your iniquities and who heals all your diseases. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. The Lord wants you to ask. The Lord wants to bless you. He wants to heal you. That's, but that's why the scripture says he bore our pains, he carried our sorrows, and by his stripes were healed. So we want to go to the Lord uh, in, in behalf of, of uh, Leyland. And uh, there's a lot of people that are sick all over the earth, all over the world. We want to remember to, to pray for all, especially for those that believe. So we want to lift up all of those that are sick with these, this virus that is going around and spread through. And that the Lord would uh, be with them and raise our brothers and sisters up, especially in the Lord. So let's go to the Lord right now uh, for Leyland. Any, anybody else before we go? Is that everything Okay. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I, I know Leyland's been going through a lot of sickness lately, Lord. He's been under really a, a lot of attack. And Lord, um, you, you said, Lord God, for, for him to call for the elders of the church, he's called, Lord, and said, I, I, need, I, need, I need help. I need the Lord to heal me. So, Lord, as we go by faith, Lord, and lay our hands on him by faith, Lord Jesus, I pray that your anointing would be upon him. You said we'd lay hands on the sick and they would recover, God. We lift up Leyland to you, right? And we intercede in his behalf, God that you would touch his body, Father, that you would heal him, God. And Lord, if there be anything there, going to be taken care of, God. Thank you, Jesus. Touch my brother. Help my brother through this situation, Father. Make him whole, God. Say, so we have not because we ask, and we ask, God. And we believe, God, 
as you said to let our request be made known to you, God, with all prayer and supplication. And now we thank you in thanksgiving, God. We thank you for touching, Lord, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, had a good week this week in the Lord. What a blessing. We had a great meeting this morning on Skype, uh, about a two-hour meeting and uh, service there. And we went through the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. Uh, it was a blessing this morning, uh, a lot of input and a lot of good word. Praise the Lord. Uh, any, you know, I know you guys are reading the Word of God and you're in the Word of God and uh, want to hear from you of what's going on. Um, I, I want to ask, uh, first of all, before we get started... Um, I don't want to put you on the spot, but, but Glenn, um, could you come on a minute? Glenn Robinson, I want to see your, your good-looking face. Uh, where's Glenn at? Glenn, you around? Glenn is from Australia. Uh, he went through a lot of the fires and different things over there, and I just wanted to uh, greet him in. Uh, Glenn, are you able to come on? Well, being Australia is a long way, so maybe he's taking a while to come on. But anyway, we'll go ahead and go, go forward from that. Okay, anybody else have a scripture? What you been reading this week? What's been going on? First John. Huh? I've been reading First John. Okay, what were you reading in First John? Uh, a lot. Um, but the major thing that sticks out to me, and you know, I know, okay, so in my stance and my beliefs, I, I believe in walking as He walked and walking in holiness. And there's a lot of scripture in this that refers to lightness and darkness, you're not really in them, but there's a scripture, and I know you know it, we've probably talked about it a million times, but I just want to get some clarification on uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, Okay. because I know that it goes back down there, I think it's verse, there's another verse that says that we have sinned, and that was, is this in reference to the agnostics, that this is, that's what that is? Not agnostics, gnostics. Yeah. Okay, agnostic is somebody that really yeah. believes God. Uh, but Gnostics was a group that lived that was back in that day. When John started writing the book of First John in the first chapter, he's really not addressing just Christians. He's addressing he's addressing a lot of Gnostics because the Gnostics were coming into this place. Um, but what he's talking about is in First John. Uh, let's let's start off at the beginning of it. First John, he says, those things you've seen and heard and learned, and you know, we've seen him, we touched him, we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he talks and he says that uh, he wants their joy to be full, as if their joy wasn't full yet. He's speaking to them. Then if you go down to birth, verse um, 6, he says that if we say, oh, who needs a Bible, first of all? Anybody who doesn't have a Bible needs one. Jill, look underneath that table. Uh, give one to Kevin over here, would you? Anybody, do you guys, you guys have a Bible? You good? Okay. So that he can read along. First John chapter 1 verse 6 it says, If we say that we have fellowship with him, he's speaking of Christ. If we say we have fellowship with Christ and walk in darkness. Now what is darkness? Let's, let's define all these things. Darkness is what? Sin, so light would be righteousness, right? Darkness and light. They're two different, two, two opposing things. If you take a dark room and you put a light in it, the light casts out the darkness. So if we say that we have fellowship with Jesus and we walk it in sin, in darkness, chapter 1, verse 8, and we walk it in darkness, what does it say we're, we're doing? It says we lie. We're lying and do not the truth. 
So when we're going to get to verse 8, that's, that really says the opposite of verse 8, right? Okay. All right. And then, and then he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and his blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, actually in the Greek, that word no is the same word as in verse 10. It says, if we say that we have not sinned, is the correct translation, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in it. Okay, we'll, we'll do that. Let, let's, let's, let's show it real clearly. Let's go to the next verse after, okay? If we say that we have no sin, we lie and deceive our truth, the truth is not in him. We just saw it. If we say, if we, say we know him and, and walk in darkness, then we, yeah, right. we lie do not yeah. truth. The next verse says, if we confess our sin, listen closely. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just. Look at verse 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if, if, if right now, say, uh, say I'm talking to Braxton, and Braxton says, okay, man, I want to confess my sin. And Braxton says, uh, then we pray, and Braxton says, okay, I'm, I confessed all my sin, okay? And I'm going to ask God to forgive me. Okay, do you, and we get done and finish praying, and I say, Braxton, do you have any sin left? What are you going to tell me? I'm going to say, you know, because I've been cleansed. That's right. He's been cleansed. So that would be, then, then you would be opposing verse 8, right? Right? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. And then also verse 10 says, if we say that we have not sinned, and that's, that's the Gnostic thing that we had discussed before, but no, 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 everybody, okay, first of all, Romans 3.23 says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Not that you continue, yeah. but we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We've chosen our own path. So all have sinned. So if a person says he's never sinned, yes. he's a liar and the truth's not in him. It's true, okay? But the, but the point is, is now that you come to Christ in true godly sorrow and repentance, sin ceases in your life. It stops, and you walk in righteousness. There was a group there that you're right that was back in that time that lived. It was called the Gnostics. And the Gnostics taught that, um, that the flesh uh, was, was corrupt and that they really had no sin because even though their flesh was sinning, their spirit wasn't sinning. And they wouldn't admit that they had sin. They'd say they never sinned because the spirit was what, was, was what counted and their flesh didn't count for nothing. And they didn't even believe that Jesus had come because they said nobody could live in the flesh and say that he had no sin, you know, that, that he hadn't sinned because he said it's the spirit that's, that's righteous and the flesh that's, that's unrighteous. So, and then you go back down in the sixth verse of chapter 2 of, of 1 John, and he says, he says this, actually verse, verse 4, he that says, I know him and keeps not his commandments is what? A liar and the truth's not in. So if you say that you know Jesus and you're not keeping his commandments, you're a liar, the truth's not in you. It's clear, right? It's pretty clear. Everybody understand that? And then he says the next verse, but whoever keeps his word, wait a minute. Some people say, well, you can't keep his word. Yes, you can. He said, whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God is perfected. And then he says, he that says uh, he, he abides in him ought himself to walk just like Jesus walked. Well, how did Jesus walk? Right. If you go to 1 Peter 2.21, he says that to follow his steps who did no sin. So that's pretty clear. So all the verses around it support what, the, what is being said in that if you walk in the light as he is in the light, then you have fellowship with him and with one another. But if you, walk, you say you're walking in light and there's any darkness or you're not keeping his commandments, 
then you're a liar and the truth's not in you. Okay? Right? Okay. Um, is, that clear? is that clear for everybody? Everybody get that? Okay, that's good. Any other questions before we go? Y'all such a good. Somebody sent me a video yesterday. I didn't get to look at it yet. I apologize for that. So I'll just tell you kind of the long and the short. Me and this guy have been going back and forth when we go scripture. And he, he's brand new into it, but he is seeking. And he sends me this, this, this deal that I've listened to. And it basically was saying that there's really not even any point to asking for forgiveness because we're already been forgiven. And that believe in the finished work. Because if you're still asking for forgiveness, you don't truly believe in the finished work. And so this even goes together with this. He is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we confess it. So this guy's saying that you don't even have to worry about confessing it or asking for forgiveness because you don't really believe in the finished work. And, and that's, that's just opposing to the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 13 and verse 3 and verse 5, he said, repent or you shall likewise perish. That means, that means basically turn from, have a change of mind and turn from your unrighteousness to your righteousness. A good scripture with that also is 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 17 and 18. It says, if judgment begin at the house of God, where shall the person, the, the person that obeys not the gospel of Jesus Christ appear? If the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the unrighteous and sinner appear? So, we see there that a, a person, unless they turn from, from their sin, Acts 2.38 said, they asked Peter, said, what do we need to do to be saved? He said, repent. Turn from your way of living. Turn from your way of thinking. Turn from your sin. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, so we just read in verse 9, he says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. What if you don't confess your sin? You can't have forgiveness. The only way you can have forgiveness is to cry out to God in confession. Like it says in, in um, Proverbs 28, 13, he says this. He says, he who covers his sin shall not prosper, but he that confesses and forsakes his sin shall be shown mercy. So there's a, you have to confess it and you have to forsake it in order so, to have, be shown so mercy. I just want to share this because this is a scripture that was sent to me. 1 Peter three eighteen. for Christ also died sins once for all so it was like a done it's a, it's a done deal uh, the just for the unjust so that he might bring and, and there's a whole deal with it but um, they, they even have scripture to, that's kind of been skewed to preach this. The, the enemy is very subtle Ben and he'll twist scripture the scripture says that Christ died for in, in uh, Romans 3.25 that Christ died for all of our past sin not your future sin so that's what it's talking about. So this is the scripture that was sent to me, First, First Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 18. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. And so uh, it's just one verse, and, and, and that's, what the, that's what the thought is. And I never saw it really before, but uh, he is completely, I mean, you know, People are preaching a message that's not, um, not, yeah, that, that's, not reality. I mean, all you have to do is read your Bible, and you see that uh, you, if you, he says in, in, in uh, uh, Hebrews 10, 10, 26, he says, if, if we sin willfully, after we've come to the knowledge of truth, there remains no more sacrifice for your sin. 
So he's saying, if you don't ask for forgiveness, if you don't turn, you know, if you don't repent, there's no more sacrifice for your sin if you're sinning willfully. Yeah. So the, the Bible says in Hebrews 5, 9, that he is the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Not who obey him one time, but that obedience is going on and on. He says in, in John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice and a stranger's voice they will not follow. If you're a sheep, if you're walking with the Lord and you're a sheep, you're going to hear his voice. What's his voice going to say? His voice is going to say what the word of God says. And a stranger's voice you will not follow. What's the, who's the stranger's voice? The enemy, he comes to you, he comes like a roaring lion, doesn't he? He's your adversary. He, he, that's why we take the shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. He comes and he shoots darts for, to try to get you to receive those things and fall into sin. But he said to take the shield of faith to quench all those fiery darts. The enemy comes at you with that, but you resist the devil and he will flee from you. So that, that is our walk in Christ. But, to, but we, we have... We, we flee temptation. We flee sin. The whole, the whole Bible's talking about that. They, the rich young ruler, they came to Jesus and asked, what do I need to do to go to heaven? He said, you must keep the commandments. Oh, just keep them one time and then you're good to go? That's been, the, the thing is, he says this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. If you want to write that down and look at it. He says this, that the Lord is coming back in vengeance, in fiery vengeance. To, to bring, bring fire vengeance on all those who know not God and who obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're not obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're not going to make it. Obedience is required for salvation. He's the author of eternal salvation. Do all that obey him. Obedience must take place. Or else you what? You're walking in darkness. Now think about it. You cannot, you, the, the scripture says that since Jesus died on the cross, what happened? The, 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 the curtain was rent. It was tore into the Holy of Holies. No man before could go into the Holy of Holies, but once a year, and he had to be without sin. But when Jesus died, it opened up where we could approach the Father. They couldn't approach the Father before that. And it opened up where he could push, approach the Father. And now in, in Christ, in the old time, you had the Holy Spirit on the outside. But when you come to Christ in holiness and you turn and you repent, this is why it's so important that full repentance must take place. God is not going to dwell in darkness. Light and darkness cannot dwell together. It has to be light. Now think about this. Jesus is light. Darkness is sin, Satan, all the dark, dark side, right? So if, if he's, he said that now once you come to him, you become the temple of God. Before they had a temple, right? It was a building, right? And they had a holy of holies in that building. And you go in there once, the high priest would go in there once a year to offer sacrifice with bulls and he goats and all those things. Well, Jesus became the sacrifice for us. He became the lamb, the spotless lamb. He became the high priest that was without blame. And he became a sin offering for us so that we could come into the holy of holies so that we would be the temple of God who dwells in the temple of God. Who dwells in the temple of God? Where was God? The, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, right? He says that in John 14, 23. He said, if, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. He said, he that obeys not my commandments doesn't love me. He said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And he said, the Holy Spirit that was with you, he shall be in you. So there you go. You have the Holy Spirit in you. 
And he says, then I will come and abode with you, and my father will come and abode with you. So, man, think about this. I get so excited when I think about it because I'm the temple of God. I got Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit all living in, in me all the time. Now, if, now you, if I had sin or if I got sin, he's not going to be there because light and darkness can't dwell together. He said that in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? They can't, they can't be together. Just like what fellowship does a believer have with an unbeliever? What fellowship does an infidel have, a Christ have with Belial? You, Satan and God is not going to dwell together. So if, you're going to be the, if you want to be the temple of God where God dwells, you've got to be holy. Yeah, Ben? And so he asked me, so we got this heated, not heated, but we got this conversation going back and forth. And so he said, so what, what do you do? How do you know if you're saved? So I don't ever know if you have an opinion. I said, well, in, in this book of the Bible, which I had, it said, you know him if you obey the commandments. And you are a friend of mine if you obey the commandments. And he says, it's not about doing a bunch of works. I can't do works and then I'm good to go. And I said, faith without works. It's dead very good. That's a good answer. That's good. Um, so I want to share this stuff because if you're walking, if you're walking this walk, you're going to have people ask you these questions, and we always want to read the Word of God because that's it. That's that's the major thing is that people don't have the desire enough to read the Word of God, and they're listening to all these YouTube videos. I mean, no offense to this thing, but I'm saying they're watching these videos where these guys are speaking this stuff. And they're not searching it out for themselves. The scripture says in Jeremiah 29, 13, he said, if you'll seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. Yeah. And that's what it takes. Yeah. You got to really want this. It's not, it's not for the lazy uh, person that thinks, well, it's not a big deal. You got to want God bad. And a lot of times when you've gone through enough things and you've been in the bondage of sin and you're saying, man, I don't want that anymore. I've, I've discovered that. Us older people have been through a lot and, and we, we know we don't want to go back to that. We don't want that. We know where that leads. And, and you become so desperate. The Bible says the kingdom of God suffered violence from John the Baptist until nine. But now with the violent, take it by force that you have to get violent in your faith and say, man, I got to have this. Hebrews 12, 4 says that you have not yet resisted sin to the shedding of blood. You mean, i got, I got to hate sin so much, man, it might make me bleed to stop? Yes. Resist temptation. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. See, God's done his parts. He died on the cross. Now it's your turn to draw near to him, and then he will draw near to you. What a wonderful promise of God, right? Any, other, any questions about anything said so far? Glenn, did you have uh, you, did you have something in your heart? Good to see you, Glenn. Welcome back from Australia. Can't hear you. Okay. Good to have you. We're not hearing you. You need to turn your audio on. We're not hearing you. Very much. Now we got you. Go ahead. Uh, it's nice to join with you people today. God bless you all. Thank you. Good to see you, brother. We miss you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, wonderful to um, be able to join with you people. bless you all. Amen. Well, my wife, Jill, asked, where's Glenn? You got to call Glenn. You got to see what Glenn's going to do. So we're, we're, we're so thrilled to have you back today, brother. We really miss you and appreciate and love you very much. Good to have you. Good to have you. Okay, 
If there's any other questions uh, or anything on anybody's heart right now, let's go. If not, let's go to First Peter chapter uh, three. Is that uh, chapter four, right, uh, Cedric? Correct. Chapter four, and where are we uh, there, Cedric? Okay, we're going to start at verse 12. Let's start at verse 11, if you don't mind. Start at verse 11, and we'll go through 1 Peter uh, chapter 4 and chapter 5 today. Um, We're going to start at verse 11. And to just rehearse it, um, Cedric, would you read from verse 11 to verse 19 for us? Absolutely. 1 Peter 4, verse 11 through 19, reading from the King James Version. He says, if any man speak, let him speak the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God gives. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened unto you. But rejoice. Inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Verse 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Verse 17. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be? For them that obey not the gospel of God. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Thank you, Cedric. Very good. So we're going to start back where you start in verse 11. There's some really, really a, a lot of good nuggets in here. Uh, but we're going to start there and get some comments from you guys. It says in verse 11, it says, If any man speak, let him speak uh, as the word of God. Some of you translations will say the word of God or oracles of God. If any man minister, let him uh, minister to his ability which God gives and uh, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ and be praised and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We hear today, and just like Ben was talking about, people that will speak with their opinion. You know how much opinions are worth? Not two cents. Not two cents, that's right. But the word of God is worth everything. So that's why when, when we come together, I want to hear what the word of God says. And I'm going to tell you what the word of God says. Be- why? Because the Bible says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. John 12 says that in the last day we'll be judged by these words. So if I speak the word of God, uh, you can get mad at me for speaking the word of God, but you can really have to get mad at God because I'm just saying what he said. You know? And when you stick with the simplicity of the word of God, you're, 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 you're good. But it's when you start trying to twist things and start trying to put your opinion in it or try, start trying to say what somebody else told you. What I, li- I like to do is I say, man, just erase everything anybody told you and just look at God's word in simplicity, read it, and apply it to your life. 
Live it out. That's what Jesus said to do. Keep it simple. That's why he said in 2 Corinthians 11, he said, don't be removed away from the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just walk with it. Why try to explain the scriptures away? I, I did a message yesterday on YouTube for, about someone that they, 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 made, they came up with their own Bible. Maybe everybody wants to just come up with their own Bible so they can make what they believe and they can put it in that Bible and try to get everybody else to believe it. But no, don't, don't, change, don't change the Bible to try to fit your life. You need to change your life to fit what the Bible says. If the word says such and such and you're not doing it and you disagree with it, you say, God, you know what? I'm going to humble myself say, you're right and I'm wrong because the word of God is what is right. Amen. Man's doctrines will not save you, Leland said. That is the truth. It will not save you. This is the only thing that will save you is the word of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Leland. Uh, so let's look at verse 12. Kenny wants to say something? Kenny said that. Oh, okay. No, I saw it no, up top. It was like, okay. yeah, he, he typed it in. Um, at verse 12, it says, Beloved, don't think it's a strange thing when fiery trials come at you as though some strange thing happened to you. It's supposed to. <laughs> Your faith is going to be tried. Like somebody said, man, what's going on? Man, I got all this attack. All of us get attacks. Right now, a lot of people are going through a lot of stuff right now. You know, they're, they're losing their jobs. They're, you know, with your financial, their loved ones are sick. A lot, of, a lot of things are going on. Here specifically, he's mainly talking about a lot of suffering that you go through as a Christian. You suffer. Um, you know, when you, the Bible says that all that live godly shall suffer persecution. If you're living a godly life, you're going to suffer some persecution. If you're not suffering persecution, you're probably not living a godly life. Why? Because you start telling people this truth, and a lot of people don't like it. When you tell somebody that, hey, you're not going to make it because you've got sin in your life, they're probably not going to like you, and they're probably going to fight you like they, that guy was doing with Ben, trying to convince Ben to make his own self feel good instead of saying, you're right, man, that's what the Word says. Hey, I'm not going to argue with it. Hey, the Bible says, uh, for instance, 1 John 3 and 8, it says, if you sin, you have the devil. Man, people wrestle with that. They hate that. They don't want to know. Nobody wants to know they have the devil. So, man, you have the devil, man. You, you're still sinning. You have the devil. Man, they'll fight you on that. They'll persecute you for that. But don't think it's a strange thing. Why think it's not strange? Because they did that to Jesus. They didn't hang him on the cross for nothing. He got hung on the cross because he spoke up. Because he told them the right way. He told the religious leaders they were wrong. And what they needed to do to enter the kingdom. They didn't, they didn't want to follow what Jesus said. So you're going to suffer persecution. But look what it says that we read in, chapter, in verse 1 and 2 of that same chapter, chapter 4. It says, for as much then uh, as Christ has suffered in the flesh. They see that same suffering. Suffered through trial. Suffered through persecution. For as much then as Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has what? So what does that mean? He stops in it. Let me ask you a question. You don't have to lift your hand. Did Christ stop sinning? He didn't sin at all. How, how can you stop sinning if you never stopped, started sinning to begin with, right? So who is he talking to? Me. Each one of us. You're to stop sinning. But, but see, the suffering 
that you went through in your, in, your, in your godly sorrow, in your brokenness, brought you to that place of repentance. You got to wake up to this. Because sooner or later, whether it's today, tomorrow, next week, next year, 10 years, 20 years from now, whatever it might be, you are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But to be judged for those things that you've done right now in your body. This is not a game. We're not playing church. This is the real thing. You want to at all times be ready to stand before God and, 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 and say, yes, Lord, I followed you. I've, I've, I've obeyed your commandments. Okay? Because he said, and he stopped sinning. That he no longer should live, verse 2, that he no longer should live the rest of his time to the lust of the flesh. The lust of men, but to the will of God. This man stops sinning. He doesn't live in sinning more for the rest of his life. Praise God. So that's what his suffering is about. He said, if you be reproached, verse 14, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, be happy. What was that scripture? I think it was in uh, Matthew. Um, what was that? Matthew 5. Yeah, Matthew chapter 5. It says in verse 11. Verse, verse 10. Let's start there. Matthew 5 and 10. Go there just a minute. Hold your place in First Peter. We're going to come right back to it. But look what Jesus said. He said, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of God, heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you, persecute you, say all manner of evil against you for my name's sake, for my sake. Rejoice. And be exceedingly glad, he said, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before them. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, what good is this? It's no good. But he said, when you're persecuted, man, rejoice. I get to be persecuted for Jesus' sake. This, if you're a believer, this world is not your kingdom. You're, you're not a citizenship of this, but you're not. In, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. You're looking for that city whose builder and maker is God. This is not your home. So don't worry about being persecuted here. That's going to happen. It says verse fourteen, back to First Peter chapter four. If you be reproached for my name, for, for the name of Christ, happy you. For the spirit of glory of God rests upon you. On their part, he's evil spoken of. But on your part, praise the Lord, the Lord is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a, as a, as a sinner, basically, is what he's saying. Murderer, thief, any of that. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, verse 16, he said, don't even suffer as, as, a, as, as a busybody in other men's matters. Don't worry about what's going on with somebody else. Just share the gospel. Just share the truth. Don't be up in everybody else's business. Yet if any man suffers as a Christian, let him, be, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on his bed. For the time has come. Let's, let's park in these last three verses here. And we said, I spoke this earlier. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of, of them that obey not the gospel of God? Who is the us, first of all? That's right. The one that are walking in righteousness. Very good, Braxton. That's to us. So if you're not walking in righteousness, he's real, this really doesn't even apply to you. 
because you need to come to that place first of all. But if it begins at us, and that's where judgment begins, what do you think the ungodly, uh, what do you think of them that obey not the gospel of God? For instance, that person that Ben was talking about, he doesn't claim to be obeying the gospel of God. He claims that he's just believing in the, in the finished work of Christ and that he doesn't have to repent anymore. He can sin and just keep on going. Let me give you a scripture to go along with that. Go with me to 2 Chronicles. No, I'm sorry. Go with me to Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Chapter 3. Let's go to verse uh, 19. Everybody finding that? No, when you're there. Uh, chapter 3, and go with me to verse um, uh, 19 would be good. If, if thou warned the wicked, that's the sinner, and he turned not from his wickedness or sin, nor from his sinful or wicked way. He shall die in his sin, but you've delivered your soul. Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit sin, and I lay a stumbling block before him, and he shall die. Because thou hast not given him warning, he shall die in his sin, and his righteousness which he hath done shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at your hand. He's talking about sharing with people. He's saying a righteous man, if he turns from his righteousness and commits sin, to warn him. And he says, at judgment, the Lord won't remember any of his righteous deeds that he even did. Look at the next verse. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous does not sin. You see that? What are you warning? Warn people that, that you cannot sin. That the righteous don't sin. If you're righteous, you don't sin. What goes on with First John Chapter 3, verse 7 says, Be not deceived. He that doeth righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. So the righteous does not sin. And he doth not, not sin, he, and, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live because he is warned, also thou hast delivered thy blood. So, he, you, you, Ben, you, you're to warn somebody like that. That the, if you say you're righteous, then you don't sin. If you sin, you're not righteous. Clear. So what's going to happen to those that don't obey the gospel? It's going to be a bad day. Verse 18, and if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Those ought to make people tremble, Cedric. <laughs> the righteous scarcely be saved. Where shall the ungodly and sinner appear? That's the question. Where are they going to appear? going to make it. Here's, here's, here's the thing. So I share with a lot of people and, and they've been hearing this doctrine since they were a child. And, the, and it's almost like you, know, you say it and they just can't even wrap their brains around it. And then I told them, I, I told this guy, I said, listen, I, really, I challenge you to go read the whole book of 1 John. I challenge you to do that because he, he, you know, we, we talk daily and every time we get into it about 
the real doctrine of Jesus Christ, he's like, look, man, we're just going to have to disagree on this and that, blah, blah. And then he's, now he's sending me stuff to, to back up what he's saying, but it's not scriptural. It's, it's what, what, what some guy's saying that he may have some, some scripture that he's skewed around, but that's what you're up against is, is the modern day is teaching a message let me show you the answer to the question that's asked in verse 18 okay can I show you the answer to that Bible answers it and if you go to Revelation chapter 21 it answers the question so he asked the question was is where shall the ungodly and sinner appear Revelation 21 Verse 8. Well, we started verse 7. <clears throat> verse 7. He that overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. That's, not, that's sweet, isn't it? That's good. He that overcomes is going to get it all. So what you want to do? You want to overcome, right? You want, to, you want to inherit it all. Okay, but he says about the other. But the fearful, here's the answer to the question. The fearful, the unbelieving, are, are, are disobedient. That word is the same as disobedient. The abominable, the murderers. The Bible says if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. In 1 John 4. The whoremongers, the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. If you tell, you tell a lie shall have their port. This is where they're going to appear. They'll have their port in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's where they will appear. In a lake of fire and brimstone, the second death. Yeah, Cedric? You mind sharing that scripture where it talks about um, how their eyes are filled with adultery, which is why they obviously can't see 2 Peter chapter 2. In 2 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to get there, we're heading that right way eventually, but in 2 Peter chapter 2, it's talking about a people that, that are in your love feast, which means that sometimes they're in church with you. And uh, in, in your love feast, and they... Uh, they're sporting among the, with you. They're acting like a Christian. They may look like a Christian. The Bible says they're like clouds without water, like getting ready to burst with rain. It looks like they're full. Uh, they're like wells, but they're empty. They have no water in them. They're walking about, acting, acting it out. But it says uh, these, uh, verse 13 of 2 Peter 2, it says, but they shall receive a reward of unrighteousness as they that counted pleasure to riot in the daytime, spots they are in blemishes, sporting themselves with, with their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery, and they cannot cease from sin. Beguiling unstable souls and a heart they have exercised with covetous practice, cursed children. So that kind of describes them also right there. You know, it's a bad place. I think somebody put something up on the thing just now. What was that that they asked us, Hedrick? Um, 
Yeah, uh, G. Yes, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I also find it interesting that it says that they have their heart trained coaches' practices. The Bible says, you know, learn to do what is good. Sometimes doing what is right takes take effort, and you have to train yourself as they have trained themselves in coaches' practices. It's very yeah. important. Uh, yeah, that's good. That's good. Thank you, Vladimir, for sharing that. Okay, would you read it? Absolutely. Kenneth spoke, he said, we must study thy self-approve. Your friend just needs to read their Bible without this false teaching. Jude chapter 1, 22-23, and you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment and showing mercy to still others, but do so with great caution. Hating the sin that contaminates their lives. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Okay. Uh, any other any other comments on that before we go further? Praise the Lord. Let's get to let's get to chapter five. Y'all ready? I want to first of all any 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 question? What's that? Miss Teresa, uh, she's asking for prayer for the people in Boone. We, uh, she said that they have first received their first confirmed case. So. Okay, we'll, we'll do that to end. Hold those messages till the end. Any messages concerning what we have? For sure. Huh? For sure. Okay, thank you. Uh, chapter 5. Do we have any questions chapter 4 so far? Okay, are you, you guys are receiving anything from it? You understanding it? Praise the Lord. Chapter 5, it says, The elders which are among you, I exhort, whom also an elder, and a witness of the suffering of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Okay, so he's addressing the, the elders. Um, let's find out, since he's talking about elders, what do you say we find out uh, what is required to be an elder? Okay? What, who is an elder and what is required to be an elder? Okay? Would that be okay with you guys? Let's go to uh, 1 Timothy. Uh, chapter 3. Verse 1 we'll start at. This I say, this is a true saying, if a man desire the office of an elder or bishop, he desires a good work. An elder bishop must be first, he must be blameless. The husband of one wife. Um, in other words, he doesn't have but one wife, because in that time, some, some of them had more than one wife, and, but it was required if you're going to be an elder or pastor or teacher, you're only to have one wife. But I want you to take notice there also that he must be blameless. What does that mean to be blameless? Holy Anybody tell me? Huh? Holiness without sins. Okay, so, so if you're going to be an elder or a pastor, the first requirement there is to be blameless. I, I'm sorry, but most people that I know that claim to be elders, they'll tell you they're not blameless. They'll tell you that they still are struggling with sin in their life and still are falling short and that they sin every day, most of them. We'll tell you that. 
So you, you can't, that's, that's a requirement. So you're saying you are one, but you're really not one because you're not blameless. I mean, I'm just reading the scripture. That's what it says. And, and secondly, I want to point out, what was the second requirement? The husband of one wife, right? Then how could he be a woman? How's she going to meet that requirement? Can't meet it, right? This isn't my order. This isn't what I'm saying. I'm going to speak the word of God. This is what God said. This is his word. And I'm going to submit to his word. Does God like a woman, like a man more than a woman? Of course not. Does, does a man have a better inheritance than a woman? No, of course not. This is just the order that God has it in. He has that order. So we want to follow the order of what the Lord has. Ben? Yeah, and that's first. That's, that's scriptural. It's not something I'm just. That's First Corinthians chapter eleven. You'll find that in, and but then it says that that man was made from woman too, though. So you know, it it shows an equality there that we to treat like First Peter three says to treat the woman as a uh, your wife as a weaker vessel, but that she is also joint heirs with you to the kingdom. In other words, don't think that you're more than your wife, or that you're better than your wife because you're not. You're both joint heirs. You both are equal in God's sight. It's just the way that God has the order. So what you want to do? I want to follow the order that God has. I, want, I don't want to go outside of the word of God. I want to stick with what God's word says. Because why? Because God's word is going to judge me. The Bible says, be not many of you teachers, for you shall receive greater condemnation. If I'm, if I'm teaching you something that's not according to the word, I'm going to be condemned for it. I'm going to be held accountable for that. And I fear that. So I will stick. To, I will stick to that. Yes. Um, so let's look at the requirements. First is blameless. Second, husband one wife, vigilant, sober. Okay, what does sober mean? <laughs> it means he's not high, right? He's not. He's not alcohol. He's not drinking. He's not doing drugs. He's not doing those kind of things. He's sober-minded. He's straight-minded. Okay. What's the next? Good behavior. Given hospitality. We got all y'all over here. We give, we're going to be giving the hospitality. Jacob comes work out when we give the hospitality. Um, good behavior, even hospitality. Able to teach, apt to teach. Not given to wine. No striker. Not greedy of. You know, they always call money filthy lucre. You know, like uh, you know, like money is filthy lucre. Not given, not greedy or filthy lucre. Not greedy for money. Remember, the Bible says to be content with what you have. It's okay. Uh, not a brawler or covetous, but patient. One that rules well his own house. So if you got a household and you and your wife are fighting all the time and you, and you have a, everything going crazy in your house, you, you, it's, a, it's a requirement. You need to get that right. Having his children in subjection with all gravity. So as he has, has little children living there, they're not just running wild and doing what they want. They're under submission. But man know that if the man doesn't know how to rule his own house, how is he going to rule the church of God? Can't do it. Not a novice. Not someone that just comes in. He needs to grow in the word. He needs to grow in the knowledge and, and, and wisdom of God in time. Uh, unless being lifted up with pride, he falls into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them that are without. He's not going to be a crook or a thief or something like that. He's going to have a good report. Unless he falls into reproach and snare of the devil. Okay, let's go back to, uh, just to confirm this, go to the book of Titus, chapter 1. 
Verse 4. To Titus, my own, my own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. For this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I appointed you. So now he's telling him to ordain these elders in every city. So we going back, we wanted to find out what an elder was. Now we're seeing what an elder requirements are for an elder again. What's the first requirement, Braxton? Blameless, there it is again. So how many times does it have to tell you if you're going to be under a pastor or you're going to be under an elder, then they, they, the first thing you're going to look for is are they blameless? If you go to pastors down there and you ask them, are you blameless? I say, oh, no, nobody can, nobody can live without sin. Then you don't need to be a pastor. Follow the way God said to do it. Cedric, you had a, you had a comment? Yeah, it's not just pastors he's talking about. Also in Ephesians 5, he talks about how God has come back for a blameless church. That's right. Good. Yeah, to make it to the kingdom of God, you can't, or else you'll miss the boat. That's right. That's good. Thank you for adding that to it, Cedric. Okay, uh, so the first requirement was, was, was blameless. Um, and he says, again, what's the second one again? A husband of one wife. Same thing. Having faithful children, not accused of right of for a bishop or elder must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, which is a brawler, nor given to money, filthy lover, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good, a lover of, of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the opposition. So you want to learn, to, he has to be, a, be one that has learned the word of God and knows how to stand for the truth, how to contend for the faith, as it says in Jude, to earnestly contend for the faith, for there are those that make the grace of God into a license to sin. So the requirement there is that is just what we read. So let's go back to 1 Peter chapter, chapter 5 and any comments about that? Do you see how how the religious world and so much of it has gotten has gotten so off course? The the scripture says that in Matthew chapter five that straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. But broad is the is the is the gate and wide is the way that leads to destruction, and many go thereat. They're trying to broaden the gate to get into heaven, but Man can't broaden it. God already made it, and he made it narrow. And you got to go the narrow way. And the only way to go the narrow way is to stick with the word of God. You can't expand the way and say, well, we're going to let this go. We're going to let, well, you don't really have to be blameless. Well, you know, you can be a man or a woman and be a pastor. We can just expand this out. I mean, we got a different culture we live in today. You know, it's not like it was back then. So let's just change these things up and make it like we are living today. And they justify those things, and they end up in disobedience to what the Word says. Do it God's way. This in our lives, in your marriages, in your relationship, always do it God's way, and you'll be blessed. Okay, so he's talking about the elders. The elders which are among you, I exhort, whom also an elder, Paul says, uh, I mean, Peter says, and, and uh, 
a witness of the suffering of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. This is the same Peter, remember, that was a disciple of Jesus, one of the disciples in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He says, feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, not by, you know, that you have to do it, but willingly that you do it. I love to help my people. I love to help you guys. I love to minister to you. I do it freely. I don't, I don't care about you. you want, I don't want your money. I'm not trying to get you money. I'm not trying. I don't have anything. I, I love the word of God. I love the ministry. I'm called to that. You know, and, and many of you maybe also, you love the ministry. You minister out on the streets. You, you speak in the word. We're all called to and ordained to minister and share the word of God with other people. You're called for that as well. And to do it with a ready mind, not for money. Neither as being lords over God's heritage. Today, what we have with ministers a lot is we have people that they've exalted themselves and other people have exalted them. They stand on a podium as being the only one and you don't really say anything. You just go there and listen and be entertained and hear and do whatever. And, and it's like he's, he's reverenced. If I'm going to minister to you, I'm your minister means I'm your servant. I'm going to serve you. I'm not any better, or the minister's not any better than the other person. I'm really your servant. I'm really here to help you, to minister to you, to meet your need, to do what I can for you. But somehow people have just exalted that the person that's up front, and it's like he's got. I know I went to some churches where they had actual bodyguards around the preacher. You know, and they have all these people, like, one guy went up to me, and he squeezed my hand as hard as he could, like, and I was talk, trying to talk to the preacher, like, yeah, back up, back off. You know, like, come on, man. I'm your, I'm your, I'm your servant. You know, we're servants of either. We serve one another humbly, you know, to help you, not lording over them and being some righteous. For Jesus says, if you want to be first, then be last. Jesus said, if you want to be a minister, be a servant. If you want to be first in ministry, be a slave to him. And that's what Jesus was. He gave the example. He, was, he, he came like he was nobody. He humbled himself. He was God in the flesh. And he, be, and he became like a servant, Philippians chapter 2 says. Humbled himself to the death of the cross. Total embarrassment. Hung him naked on a tree in front of everybody. What, and he's the king of kings and the lord of lords. Who would a, a, a minister or I be or somebody be to exalt himself when Jesus himself became the greatest servant to every one of us, dying for our sins and showing himself that he had nothing? He, he, he said the, the, the birds have nests, the foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He had no home. He had nothing. He was there to serve man and to share the truth of eternal life. And he gave his life as a ransom for ours. Wow. A wonderful Lord. He says, uh, in verse 4, he says, And when the chief shepherd be an example to the flock, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. I want you to turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 2. I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy, and, and, and Peter's writing here in, in his book, in the book of Peter. Peter was getting ready to die also. And, and to go and to be with the Lord. But there was one that Paul, named Paul. Everybody knows who Paul was. He wrote many, many books in the Bible. He wasn't one of the 12 disciples, but yet God ordained him as an apostle later on. He did witness uh, the Lord coming to him and appearing to him and speaking to him and giving him revelation. 
uh, Paul was um, a man that suffered greatly for the kingdom of God. Uh, Paul was quoted saying that, you know, I've, been, I've suffered shipwreck. I've, I've spent a night and a day out in 